Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. And now, please welcome... It's time for the Bradford Files, right now on WEI.com. Welcome to another edition of the Bradford Files. I am honored and privileged to be joined by Daniel Bard, newly signed of Texas Rangers. Is that, is that, am I the first person, Daniel, to actually say that you are a Texas Ranger in, in public, in a public uh, setting? Yeah, I think that pretty much makes it official. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a hat? Do you even have a hat yet? I don't. I I was gonna send out like a Instagram or something, and I realized I have no Rangers gear, so well, that'll change soon. If you, if you if, yeah, we we'll get the old school kind. Um, yeah. But well, congratulations, and uh, I know it's been a long year for you. And but as we had talked a little bit over the phone, and just talking about how all's well that ends well so far, and I know that you got a ways to go. And anytime you've coming off surgery, it's it's still an uneasy proposition, but um, just to for those at home who don't understand what happened, can you can you take us through first of all what surgery you actually had in January? Uh, I was diagnosed with uh, thoracic outlet syndrome, and uh, the surgery they do uh, to fix that is it's called a rib resection, and they actually go in and uh, behind your collarbone on my throwing arm side and um, take out. Uh, half that first rib, and um, it, the, the idea behind it is it frees up that nerve that runs over the top of it. So that's uh, that's what they did. Sounds pretty invasive. It, it was a pretty painful for a few days, but uh, I feel really good right now. I'm about a month out of surgery. Before we go back to kind of the timeline, what's the prognosis in terms of coming back, in terms of throwing? Um, I think, uh, as far as I know, I'm... I'm ahead or on schedule, um, uh, which the earliest they recommend throwing is about six weeks, um, and you kind of just ease back into it. So that puts me throwing in about two weeks from today, which is about, you know, coincides with the, the beginning of spring training for us. Now, this is the same same thing that Josh Beckett had, correct? Yes, it is. Okay, okay. So at least you, have you talked to him at all? Yeah, a um, little bit. He was he called me about. He called me back in September, actually, and wanted to talk to me about it because he he had just had the surgery, and I don't think he'd even started throwing yet. But he had learned a lot about, you know, the TOS is what, that's what we call it in the biz. 
too. <laughs> um, he he learned a lot about it going through it himself, and he said that you know my situation came to mind, and um, he you know immediately I think texted me and followed up with a phone call and kind of got in my ear about it, and I just you know I was and it was actually right in the days where I'd gotten designated by the Red Sox, so. Um, you know, I had other things in my mind trying to figure out if I was going to get picked up or not. And, um, I think then we revisited it a few months later, uh, like November, December, and kind of got the ball rolling on it. Was that Beckett phone call the first time that anyone had mentioned that sort of, uh, avenue for you? Uh, it was, um, it was the first time I hadn't crossed my mind or anything, um, just because I wasn't feeling any pain in any way, so I didn't think it was a, a physical issue. But <clears throat> turns out it doesn't have to ha- be painful to uh, when those nerves are being affected. So, um, you know, it turned out I actually ended up going through uh, Mike Reinhold, who you know I'd stayed in touch with a little bit since since he left the Red Sox, and, and then since I had left the Red Sox, and Mike. You know, I can't remember exactly how it happened. Kind of, he knows my agent a little bit, and they kind of got the ball rolling, got me up to Boston for a day to see Mike um, at his facility, and um, he just kind of did an overall evaluation on my body, my arm, and uh, also looking back, you know, he he had records going back to 2008, 2009 on my shoulder, all the testing that he did with us, and. Um, he said there were some trends that that I had going back to 2010, 2011 even, that I had um, that Josh had and maybe one or two other pitchers, but uh, the rest of the staff didn't have them. And, you know, it wasn't directly affecting our performance at the time, but there were some trends there in our shoulder strength that um, indicated that something weird. It wasn't full-on like you have a weak shoulder. It was like one one little test, one exercise that, stood out to him and it's like why is why are these three or four guys numbers falling and nobody else is they're still pitching fine mm-hmm. and he still doesn't know quite what the link is but he knows that josh ended up needing this this same surgery uh here i am a few months later having it and uh you know he, he might be on to something i hope he is and uh it's kind of funny how that happened though did you? I remember with Josh, there was a, a tingling. He had occasional tingling in his fingers, but you said there was really no outward uh, physical signs or ailments. I didn't have pain. I, ha- I had some tingling down the inside of my arm, which is where that nerve runs down the inside of your um, your upper arm, you know, and then it goes down through your elbow, and then basically, you know, fans out and becomes, you know, all the nerves in your hand and stuff. So I, I had some weird tingling that would last a couple of days, go away. I mean, it, literally just something, as a pitcher, you have weird feelings in your body all the time, and you just learn to to not pay attention to them. Um, you know, if it's not, if I can pitch through something, I'm going to find a way to do it. And that's kind of what it was for me. It was just, I didn't, it felt a little weird, but I've had a thousand weird feelings, you know, in my body, in my arm, over my career. So you just learn to, to ignore them and, and hope they go away and you know this is something that just kind of came and went and the more I the more I learned about it um, talking to the doctor who did my surgery Dr. Pearl and he's done quite a few of these and his experience with baseball players is that 
literally every case of thoracic outlet that he's seen, the symptoms are, are different. The Some guys experience pain, some don't. Some have numbness, some don't. Some have, uh, you know, cold hands, some don't. You know, it's just, they basically piece together a story, and if you have enough, um, enough little symptoms pointing in that direction, then, the, you know, they dig a little deeper, they can do a vascular test to see how your uh, blood's flowing to and from your arm, and I was a little bit diminished on that. Um, so there was just enough enough signals pointing to where he and another doctor both uh, recommended the surgery to me. I wanted to go back to, like you said, you were designated by the Red Sox and you had other things going on in your mind that you were trying to figure out where you're going to end up, and you ended up with the Cubs. And um, did just to go back to that time when you were the Cubs, you never pitched and they were working with you. Did you, was there any semblance of th- a thought that this was still going to be a physical related thing that you had to work through? Because I remember you had the abdominal injury early on last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it lasted pretty much the whole year, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So when you're working, so when you're working over the Cubs, you're still thinking, I'm still dealing with this. I'm still dealing with this. And was it just a matter of just let me get through the year and heal up and we'll figure it out? Yeah, I kind of thought that. And, you know, I knew that the ab thing was, the abdominal thing was probably, you know, I think this this thoracic out was probably affecting me back, you know, toward the second half of 2011. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I think that... Um, through the whole starting thing just kind of happened to coincide with when, and I think, you know, the, the uh, increased workload of, of starting in 2012 probably sped up the process and made, made this situation a little worse. Um, and not to mention the fact that I, you're not feeling a lot of outward symptoms. Um, you're not feeling pain, so you don't think anything's wrong with you physically. And then, you know, when the results on what you, you know, expect them to be, velocity's down, Man's a little bit worse. You immediately try to start fixing things, and, and you know the first thing you try to fix in baseball is usually mechanics. It's not mechanics; it's something mental. But if your body feels good, you know you don't you just don't you don't go in the training room. You don't expect it to be something like that. So, you know, I think it it was just kind of a snowball effect of me trying to fix things when, in reality, I was kind of working with a, a not fully functional nerve in my arm, which. Uh, I think was affecting me more than more than anyone realized at the time. So you go down to winter ball in Puerto Rico and you struggled there. Why you were struggling? Why are you trying to figure things out? Did the did the call from Beckett ever kind of resonate or linger when you when you're thinking through this stuff? In other words, you come you come home from Puerto Rico and uh, I don't know what if that's when Reinhold called you or not. But how how what was your mindset after that? After you came back from winter ball? Um, well, you know, I had just gotten non-tendered, and I knew there were still teams that were going to, uh, you know, take a chance and give me a job. Uh, I knew that it wasn't, probably wasn't going to be a lot of teams, and it was going to be a situation where, you know, I'd have to do, show them something probably in spring training on my end. So, you know, I'm still, I came back from Puerto Rico, still just trying to figure out what's going on, um. Very frustrated uh, and just kind of at a loss. You know, I feel like I tried so many different things and 
Yeah, the the call from Beckett was still in the back of my mind. I guess I just had hadn't I wasn't you know convinced. I wasn't looking for a physical excuse um, to explain you know why why I was struggling on the mound. So um, yeah, I think it was a talk with Reinhold on the phone. Um, and that was in pretty, December. Pretty this was yeah, I think early December. Okay. And. Um, you know, I think he really just is a long talk. Talks for like an hour on the phone. He just went through all these things that basically asked me a bunch of questions, <laughs> and they seemed like random questions to me, like just all different things to to try to try to pinpoint if this was a possibility. And, and he got enough out of me on the phone where he said, "Look, I think this is a possibility. I really can't say anything until I see you in person and get my hands on you." And, you know, take a closer look. So we did that a few days later, and he said, "All right, well, you got it. He, got, he said, "I'm not an expert on this because I just know a little bit about it." You know, I, I helped Josh come back a little bit. He said, "But I think you need to go see these doctors just to be sure." So that's what we did, and and they recommended surgery. Did, just to clarify, did he call you or did you call him, Reinhold? Um, you know, I think he. Somehow they'd been in contact with maybe my agent. And oh, okay. It kind of uh, flowed out of that. I can't remember who made the phone call, but my agent kind of set it up in a way, I guess. Okay. So, and then you go to see the specialists in Dallas. You said. Yes, uh, two doctors in Dallas. Okay. When they, so when they when they come away from this first. Mike Reinhold says, you know, I think it might be this, but go check out with the doctors. You go see the mm-hmm. doctors, and they think, yes, yeah, we this is it, and we're going to have surgery. What's what's your thinking then? Is there is there a sigh of relief because it's, okay, this explains that? There, there was some relief. Uh, it still took me a couple weeks to make the decision on the surgery. That was probably mid-December. I didn't make the decision on the surgery until maybe after Christmas. And, um... I just gave myself time to think about it, you know, because it's hard to say. Because I could go out and throw a baseball and feel fine, um, you know. I I could go out and throw pain free. I go out and play a play a fine game of catch, and for some reason, you step on a mound and things don't feel right. So for me, it was hard to pull the trigger and say, "Yeah, go in and cut out a chunk of my rib." Um, you know, just just. See if, see if it works, but you know the doctors really did. Not like they were talking me into it. They they just seemed very convinced themselves that that the surgery was going to help me. And you know, over time, it kind of sunk in, and I was. It's just I knew it was the right thing to do. So now you uh, in where we you spend uh, head down to spring training with the Rangers now, and and like you said, just kind of ease back into things. Yeah, I've done can uh you know get evaluated by their trainers and stuff and they've dealt with this this surgery before so um you know but from all from all I've heard and the way I feel right now I don't see any reason why I won't be starting to pick up the ball uh two weeks from now and then just progress from there. Why the Rangers? Um you know it, it a lot of it came down to their their experience with this surgery. Um they've rehabbed a few guys from it, I think at least five or six, which is uh, more than any other team. Um, Dr. Meister, who was one of the, uh, he's the orthopedic that I saw in Dallas. It was one of the guys that evaluated me before I had the surgery. He um, 
he's their team doctor, which that you know played a part in it. And then you know, on top of that, it just um, it is, as soon as they found out actually that I had had the surgery, they became very very interested. Um, and it wasn't until and there were some teams <clears throat> that were interested, the Cubs being one of them, you know, beforehand, before before I even had the surgery, that were were showing interest, and then the Rangers kind of came in after they found out about the surgery. So, but they came in strong and and made it made me feel really you know welcome and wanted, and um, it just felt like a good fit. I I don't know how to put it into words. You know, when it feels right, it feels right. Mm. You know what you said one thing, and and I can't but help but think about it. And, and I don't want to harp too much on the past, but you talked about starting. How starting actually might have pushed this thing along. Um, is, is does that make that whole kind of turn events events which we have talked about ad nauseum? I understand, but does that make it even more frustrating that it went down that path? Uh, not really, because no one, you really just couldn't foresee a weird, you know, injury syndrome, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You can't really foresee it happening. And I don't think it was the, no, I think it was literally just the increased workload. And I was probably already, I know I was having some symptoms back, if you go back into the end, September 11. Um, you know, I had a, I didn't have, team had a horrible month, and I had a horrible month myself. But um, you know, if you go back and look at just how I was throwing the ball, I wasn't the same guy that had pitched the first five months. I had, first five months, I had the best year, of my, I was having the best right. year of my career, yeah. and, and then I took it. There's about two weeks there where you could see that my stuff went downhill three, four, or five miles an hour. Command was not. I mean, I, I felt like I had pinpoint command that whole year, and then September hits, and it's like ball's just not going where I want it to anymore. You know, and then, and you don't think it's a physical. I think there's fatigue involved, and in, you know, just not having that feel for the baseball that that I was used to. And, and like I said, you go and I come in starting the next year and throwing longer bullpens. You know, um, you're just throwing a lot more as a starter, making a lot more quantity of throws, and um, you know, when, and then when results aren't perfect, you start tweaking things. And when when come, uh, velocity commander down, you start tweaking mechanical things, trying to fix it. And before you know it, you've you've made the problem worse. So I think that's kind of what I ran into. Now I have to ask the obligatory: Where did you watch the World Series? Did you watch the playoffs? What was the feeling during it? Yeah, no, I I watched. I wasn't watched sitting down, you know, start to finish every game, but I caught caught a. Um, you know, pieces of the games here and there, and you know, I was really, really happy for the guys that <clears throat> that I played with the last, last, you know, five, six years, and uh, you know, all the the coaches that that had my back, and happy for everybody there. So, um, would like to be a part of it, but you know, part of part of my journey, and and uh, just happy for those guys. You get a ring. You get a ring. I do get a ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of a mixed emotions ring. So I don't know I don't know how much I'll be wearing it, but uh, well, listen, it is not many people get, get a World Series. That's ring, what I so. mean. I mean, it's only so many people on this planet that have a World Series ring. So you should take right. pride in that. Absolutely. That's right. Well, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, and again, it's it's good that you're that you figured this thing out and, and down a completely another path. And I know that you and your family must be pretty excited about what lay ahead for the next couple of months anyway. 
Yeah, we are. It's, uh, it's like I said, it's a great opportunity, and you know, it's just nice to have kind of a fresh start and you know, be a hundred percent healthy again. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Rob. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. Home to all the jaw-dropping moments. Home to all the best plays in the league. Home to your favorite players from the cities you love. MLB.tv is the home of streaming baseball. Home or away, catch all the MLB action this season with live and on-demand content across all your devices. Enjoy MLB Big Inning, select pregame and postgame coverage, and an expanded library of highlights and content. Never miss a moment of the action with MLB.tv. Stream every game from every team all season long with MLB.tv. Blackout and other restrictions apply.